Thank you for tuning in again to Empower Central, the podcast of Central Christian School. I'm your host, Kristen Perona. Hopefully you were able to join us for our last episode, How to Talk to Your Kids About Racism. We were blessed to have two Central dads join us for what was part one of a two-part series. Pastor Ben Zhang and also Terry Brock equip parents in our school community by giving you tools rooted in scripture to have tough conversations with your kids. I encourage you to listen to it if you didn't have a chance last week. And I was amazed at the way that these men weave scripture into the conversation and how truly challenging and yet edifying the dialogue was. Today, we're entering into part two of this series, and I'm blessed to have my my colleague, Mrs. Paya Sample, our principal with me today. Welcome back, Paya. The death of George Floyd has caused yet another awakening in our country, an awakening in which issues of racism are currently on the forefront. New people are listening, new people are joining the conversation now, and possibly for the first time. Once you know, you can't unknow. Listeners, Pay and I want to use the next few minutes to dialogue about how we're already intentionally pushing against racism at Central Christian School how the Lord has graciously created spaces for our community to organically push against it, and what we as leaders hope to do in the future. Hey, this conversation isn't a new one for you and I. A couple of years ago, we published another podcast. Um, actually, it was a two-part series on <clears throat> how to have culturally responsive books in your home and how to start the counter-narrative with your kids. And so we'll, listeners, we'll link to those episodes in the show notes. But hey, I'd like to start us out. One of the things as I've been transitioning to the head of school role this um, early summer, late spring, is I have been involved in the interview process as we are looking at teaching candidates. And one interview that you and I did together recently we had a candidate that actually asked you a question in the interview because of your, you know, maybe decade plus years in a public school district. And she asked you, how is, how is it different working in a public school setting and working in a Christian school setting? Will you share your experience with our listeners? Because I loved your answer that you gave that candidate. Yes, absolutely. And there are, you know, a vast number of differences between in private school. Um, but before I jump in, I think it's really important um, for me to clarify that as I am, am speaking to you all today, um, as a principal at Central Christian School, as a Black mom, as a Black woman, um, that I'm truly speaking from my own experience um, of working in a public school district um, and only working at Central so that my responses, my answers, um, cannot be generalized for all public schools and all private schools. But just to be speaking specifically around uh, my time here at Central. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I think it's important, to, uh, some, of you know, some of you may not know, I actually first came to know Central as a mom. And when my youngest was in 3K, um, I was invited to uh, Courageous Conversations. And so this was, um, as I understand, <laughs> a, um, a group of moms that um, decided to take an opportunity to lean in, be brave, and talk about um, different topics, different issues that come up um, that typically may um, create some types of discord, um, maybe a challenging topic, but to kind of commit to one another to dig in, uh, lean into that, and grow into to those conversations. So I first um, came to know the community of Central as a mom. 
And I, I, I think that was actually one of my first like central events that I came to. And my, my initial plan was to go and to just listen and to kind of soak in and get a, you know, under a good idea of, of um, the people that I was in community with. And um, mm -hmm. I was pleasantly surprised and, and honestly moved to see that it was truly led by parents, um, truly being led by moms um, to try and dialogue, but taking that dialogue um, and wanting it to lead to action. In my experience as a public school educator, I worked in public school for, I believe, 14 years, 13 years. I can't even remember exactly. Um, a lot of the work that I was leading and I was a part of, um, whether you want to call it diversity work, equity work, race work, all of those pieces um, was actually organically grown from teachers who wanted to engage in this work. So it was myself and other like my professionals who were saying, let's dig in and have these conversations. I actually had a group of teachers that I led through, and we actually use the same term, courageous conversations, where we were committed to say, like, as the educators, we need to have these conversations around race, around diversity, around equity, um, around what's happening in our world, because it is impacting the way that we teach. And how do we have these conversations with our students? So I was so encouraged to know that this work was being driven um, by parents. And that was so different than what I was ex experiencing in public school. Um, rather than trying to convince or say to parents, this is important, which is what I was doing when I was in public school, um, having parents here at Central saying, this is important to us so much that we want to, as the parents, we want to engage in these conversations um, was extremely encouraging. These were parents that um, are here at Central um, for the diversity. I think anyone can look at Central and see that it's beautiful and how diverse we are, um, not just in racial, racial, racial areas, but in socioeconomic status, denominations, all of those pieces. But we also have to be aware that when we say that we are a place that is encouraged by diversity, we have to be prepared for some of the uncomfortable that will come from. Um, as soon as you become a diverse place, perspectives are different. Different, um, And I was encouraged to know that these parents were saying we welcome and encourage diversity, but we also welcome the dissonance that it brings at times. And that we're going to rub up against each other in ways that doesn't always feel comfortable, but we're committed and we're all in. Mm -hmm. and so that was one of the big pieces that I saw as different than my experience in public school here at Central. And so when I stepped into the role as principal, um, knowing that those pieces were evident, knowing that parents are pushing the conversations. I had heard about some parents that were um, working with teachers and trying to bring more diverse books into the classrooms. So knowing that that was already evidence just made it, made it so clear that there were so many more opportunities to truly partner with our families around this work. Um, and then I stepped into my role and was having these same similar conversations with staff who wanted to grow themselves as professionals um, and what I see at Central is that the ground is so fertile to be able to move and make changes around the area of diversity, around pushing against racism. Um, and I think a huge piece of this is the fact that we are believers and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we sure. need to keep the gospel at the center of what we do. This is not to say that there's no sin here because there is, we are, sin is it's, it's a part of, it's just as human beings, we bring that with us. But to be able to say that we are really working to truly see one another as image bearers um, and um, that we all have this same, this common core and belief in this foundation, um, it's so different than talking about race without that. 
mm-hmm. most of my career was talking about race without the gospel. And you, mm-hmm. I felt like I got to a point where I kept hitting a wall that I couldn't, I couldn't push past and couldn't push beyond because we were coming, the people I was working with and, and, and not everyone, but we were coming from different foundational points. Um, and so we came with a uh, different belief system, with different worldviews. Mm-hmm. And so there came to a point where it was just, not that it was not impossible, but it became, um, it, we got to a point where it was just so much harder to push past because we were coming from such different angles. And I just see that there's so much potential here at Central. And in no way am I saying that we have arrived. We have, mm-hmm. we have not. Um, we are on the journey. And I just see that there, I have so much hope. Um, in the community that we have here, that we can be um, at the forefront of this. We can we can truly go beyond just conversations and move into action that actually is moving, on, you know, towards that 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 kingdom mind of what it's going to look like when when Christ yeah. comes. Yeah, I can say that diversity was definitely one of the two main reasons that my husband and I chose Central for our own kids way back in 2006. And as my my tenure as director of admissions throughout the years, that is typically one of the top three reasons that people either inquire about our school or they actually decide to apply because it is so unique. And I also love what you said, how you brought the gospel into it and how we can go so much deeper because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, I also do diversity work on this side. And my counterpart, when we go into churches and to faith-based communities, he will look at the crowd and he will say, this is hard. We're going to lean in because this is a family conversation. We're family. We're just having a family conversation. And I love, I love that description of it. And it's exactly what you spoke to. So I also, that's been my experience here as a mom, as an employee, and, and I too appreciate that so much. So let me ask you, in your two years at Central, how have you seen our school address the issue of racism and where do you think we should go? So actually, I wanna um, ask you that question. I actually wanna, I feel like I wanna <laughs> push it back to you. I think, um, okay. I, I wanna answer that question and talk about what I've seen in the last two years, mm-hmm. but I think it's important for us to look um, and realize that there's been work happening before I, yeah became uh, the principal here. Yes. And so yes. you've been here at Central for 14 years. I would love for you to kind of speak to what you have seen and how you have seen our school um, has worked to address racism so that we can better understand where we are now um, and as we think about moving forward. So I'd love for you yeah. to answer that. Absolutely, thanks. Yeah, I'll take it. I think one of the, there's there's several different ways that I've seen us honoring different voices and I've seen us respecting all of humanity as image bearers of God. And I think when that is woven into our curriculum or into our programming, we are in essence giving a lesson against racism because we're honoring every different ethnic group. One thing that I've loved is our music program. We have a music teacher that very much tries to bring in a diverse array of genres and that often is manifested in our Christmas program which we do every December so I through the years I remember there have been times when we have sung excerpts from Handel's Messiah we have seen a child do a violin solo we've also done an African carol that is heavy on the drumming and that's all all in the same program and so we haven't We haven't presented that Christmas concert as this is going to be a multicultural Christmas experience. That's just kind of who we are. Mm 
And I've loved that so much. And I've loved that my kids have also been exposed to that. I know that I've been brought into different dialogues about how to make chapel more culturally responsive. I know that we have held one multicultural expo. We were hoping to do it again this past school year in the spring, but because of Corona, we, we had to push that to next school year. But I remember that evening last school year when we held that and the energy and the joy in that room, it transformed our gym. It brought different moms and dads out. We had booths, we had food, you know, Christians, we always have food at events. And it was absolutely amazing because it was often when we talk about racism, we talk about brokenness and we talk talk about the hard aspects of it. But here we were celebrating the, the different cultures and the different races that the Lord himself created and how it's manifested in what we eat and how we dress in different games that we play. And our parents loved it. Our kids loved it. And I remember I was, I was next to you. And, you know, I had some Hungarian thing on because my great grandma was a Hungarian immigrant and you were representing Ireland. And what was the other country? Was it Nigeria? Um, yes, it was. I think it was Nigeria and Ireland for myself. And yeah. My- <laughs> and so I, I love that, that even I had an opportunity to be part of a multicultural expo as a white woman because I was bringing my ethnic heritage into it. But we hope to do that again. I know that throughout all of our grades, we use literature and we use textbooks that have an array of different um, racial backgrounds represented in that We also, in our library, our librarian has worked so hard over the years to make our library more culturally responsive. And I referenced that that podcast that we did, but just to see her passion for this and to see all of humanity as image bearers of God. Um, I also have been brought into different conversations that were hard and conversations such as, well, why are certain populations of our parent group Um, certain populations of color not attending school-wide events, like maybe our fundraising gala or our parenting seminars. And so I have loved working at a place that one, we notice it, and two, it bothers those in leadership because we want all of our events and all of our programming to be a place where everyone feels comfortable. So yes, we're still on a journey and we haven't arrived, but I love that I work at a place where we're brave enough to have that conversation. I also think back, Paya, um, to 2014, and Michael Brown was killed in August of 2014, right before school started. And that school year, 2014 and 15, we had four different professional development days on the calendar where we talked about bias. We talked about the lens through which we looked at the world through. We looked at how we can make our classrooms less biased. And here's the thing, those professional development seminars were already on the calendar before Michael Brown was killed, before the Ferguson riots. So it's like the Lord had begun to put it in leaders' hearts that we need to do training for our faculty, even before St. Louis became known um, across the globe for the brokenness that, that we have here in our community. I also, you asked about the future. I would love to be more in touch with our alumni, and I, especially in regards to this topic, 
ask high school students, ask college students, what could Central Christian School have done better to prepare you to be a reconciler, to prepare you to be an advocate, to prepare you to be a peacemaker? That I would love for us to go that deep and for us to be that teachable. So as as we're hearing stories from alumni and how they wish they had been more empowered or more equipped, that we could maybe use that and influence our programming. Yeah, so that's of, what I've seen a few things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to say a lot of the, the, the things that you're speaking of, what I so appreciate and I, and I, and I'm excited to be continue to be a part of our community and looking forward is it starts with conversations, but it leads to action. I think um, yes. there are so many places to be in dialogue and to talk. Um, but until you actually, get to a point where you're actually ex- not just examining, but you're willing to take the risk and make a change and make a difference. Like that's what you're going to see the impact. So I love just hearing some of those pieces of like around the conversations, but also that it was leading to changes being made in the way we do business or the way we do school here. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Yes. I have to go, keep going. <laughs> no, that's great. The joys of zoom, right? Yeah. No. And, and really, I, as I say that to you, things that I've seen over the years, as, I, as it comes out of my mouth, I think, oh gosh, we need to revisit that again. We need to have that conversation yet, I, again as we move into the future. So yeah, always, always learning, always growing. We definitely haven't arrived. But what have you seen in, in your two years here? Yeah, thank you for, for asking me that again. <laughs> um, so I, it's really neat to hear the, the history because I can still see mm-hmm pieces and um, growth in some of those areas. I think one of the uh, um, things specifically for this year that's kind of come out is we've had a professional development cohort um, that was led by teachers. Teachers had an opportunity to kind of choose which cohort that they wanted to be a part of. And one of the cohorts was a cultural responsive teaching cohort. Um, And it was led by one of our teachers and then I partnered with her um, um, during part of the time of, of this cohort. And during that time, it was having these hard conversations um, and actually getting uh, teachers to start examining their own biases. Um, so hard. It is it's extremely challenging, um, but to be able to do that with other believers and other people who are committed to that journey, I think created really um, sense of safety for some of our, mm-hmm. our staff members to, to, to lean in and to dialogue and to express what they're uncovering about their own, with what was going on within their own hearts. And so, mm-hmm kind of starting with conversations, but they were leading to now beginning to examine the walls of their classroom, similar to what you were saying, the walls of the classroom, the books on their shelves and asking themselves, uh, what stories um, are my, is my classroom telling my students um, based on what's on the walls, based on what's not on the walls, based on the, the stories that um, the literature that I'm using, uh, what stories are they telling our um, African-American students, our Hispanic students, our white students, our Asian students, um, or are their stories not even being told? And mm-hmm. some teachers, um, so some teachers are be- have begun um, doing library audits of their own classroom libraries, going through wow. and saying, "Wow, this percentage of my books, um, the main character is a white boy, um, and this percentage only looks this way." And now beginning to take action and say, "I'm going to purchase more books that are more ref- uh, reflective and representative of the students in my classroom." Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that was one way. And also the types of books that we choose. I think it's extremely important as educators, as parents that, and I think I probably spoke on this in the, in the last um, podcast that I did, but the, the books that we choose that there are not always around the heaviness around yes. race. That mm-hmm. I'm not picking a book that's talking about the civil rights movement and it's a little kid in the midst of that. But books that are actually just mm-hmm. showing a kid who's mm-hmm. trying out for a baseball team and he mm-hmm. gets a big hit or he goes fishing. Um, so this idea of like helping to, to, to push against that single story that we often hear. Yes. You think about history and those pieces, but helping students to see themselves in ways of just being a kid, just being enjoying childhood. Um, so that the, the cohorts were, uh, 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 that cohort specifically was one way that I feel like we've been um, been pushing against, but I, there's still a need for more. Yeah. You, you talked about the training that the school, the teachers went under a few years ago. And if yeah. we look at the staff that we have now, um, we've had a lot of turnover in that time. And so mm-hmm. one of the things we're looking at for next school year is how are we going to, in ways that we're going to provide professional development for all of our staff to first examine and, and become aware of what our bias are. Um, mm-hmm. And spend time thinking about how do, how do my bias and my cycle of socialization, the way that I was taught to believe, what I was taught to believe around people or my place in, in, in the world, mm-hmm. how is that really impacting the way that I teach? Um, because we can't change it until we can name it. And so we need to get our teachers to be able to name this is here and it's, 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 it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean um, that um, you're intentionally always doing these things, even to become aware of the unintentional consequences of the way, the bias that we hold. Um, yeah. Parts of our, our, of our story that we haven't dug into to realize that that's there. So mm-hmm. but I'd say what I see that um, the way we're impacting it, but also a hope that I wanna, I wanna grow us in. Um, mm-hmm. conversations that I've already begun having with teachers in the last couple of years are social studies curriculum. Um, yeah. This coming year, we're going to be um, doing a full review of our social studies curriculum and, and thinking of ways within our social studies curriculum, how, are we teaching in ways that's actually um, not, be, not including the counter narrative um, that are um, continuing a silence of voices of certain groups or subgroups <laughs> of people um, that we don't get to hear. So how can we bring those voices and to, to, to teach students a more complete picture of our history, um, a more complete picture of our current events and not to do it in the shameful way or to feel bad, right. to feel bad but to say, look, this is, we need to be aware of our history so that it doesn't repeat ourselves. But also to point to teachers, not teachers, I'm sorry, but point to our students and say, look at the helpers, look at the people that we're fighting against. These, um, these injustices that were taking place in the past and to point to them and to, to show that there are people from all races and all backgrounds that were fighting against it. Yes. Um, so yeah. that it doesn't become this generalized sense of white people responding in this way and all black people responding in this way, but to teach them that there were so many different stories that were a part of it and to learn those different stories to make a more complete and a more whole picture. Um, right. So that's another way that I'm beginning to see pockets and conversations with certain teams, but, but I'm excited, honestly. Um, social studies is one of my, I say, I have a lot of favorite things to teach, but <laughs> that's one of my other favorite things to teach. Um, but I'm really excited about uh, having a critical look on that. Um, and, mm-hmm. our social curriculum, and also to be able to include other voices because I bring my own blind spots as well. And I want to make sure that I'm not missing um, parts of our history based on my limited knowledge of our history. So looking at other educators, 
outside of the wall of the center that can kind of can um, can look into that piece. Um, and then the uh, you kind of spoke to the library piece, but another part, and I actually would love for you to kind of say some history of this. But our yeah. our Imago Day conference, yes, um, I got to be a part of the last two years. But I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit about like how we got started and what that is, because many of our families probably have never even heard, unless you're a, a fifth or sixth grader, you might not even be aware of what our Imago yes. Day Yes, um, absolutely. And that's been a highlight for me to be able to participate in that. So I know that a leader at a Christian school, so Central is part of CSL, the Christian Schools Association of St. Louis. It's a Christian school cohort. And one of the diversity directors at a school within our coalition, Westminster Christian Academy, he had been to several different diversity conferences for students. They were all through a secular point of view. And he wanted to create a conference where we can teach on racial diversity through the lens of a biblical worldview, that we can bring scripture into it, that we can teach unashamedly from a Christian perspective. And so it was started to bring different Christian schools together. And I served on a planning team maybe the first two or three years and was able to kind of help choose the curriculum. I also have been a conference speaker, I think maybe four out of the last five years. I was excited that last year there were three of us, including yourself and me and Noah Brink that taught a workshop. And so we do these large group sessions, but then we also do these workshops. And you mentioned bias and unconscious bias. And I remember that was a topic kind of the general theme one year, but it's just been a delight for me to see students and we bring our entire sixth grade class. So when this conference was born, we were asked to send a few students, maybe from sixth grade or a few students from fifth and sixth. And maybe after the first year, we were like, you know what, if Central Christian School is gonna participate in this, we're bringing our entire sixth grade class. And it's really neat because at that conference, we see that our students, because they have grown up within Central Christian School, and they have been participating in conversations about race already, they're not uncomfortable at all. And they dive in. I'm so proud of our kids when we attend that conference because they are able to just talk naturally and share their own perspective. They're brave. Um, they create places of safety for other kids from other schools who are speaking. And it's just been a delight. And I'm so thankful that we were invited that very first year. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the, the I, I have two years now been able to teach um, one of the sessions there. And I mm-hmm. loved it because it was for one, another way to, for me to just stay connected with students. I love teaching and as much yeah. as I can be with the kids, I, I, I want to. But the, the, the conversations afterwards when we were able to just be with our students and for them to kind of just talk about what's come up in their hearts, some of the struggles that they've had, um, it was so encouraging, but it was also a chance for me. I think this last year, I, I asked a question to the students and I said, guys, I actually really want to get better at this as a school. And we bring you to this conference and we talk about it here, but I really feel like there should be having more like intentional ways yes. that we are um, uh, talking about our bias, um, the, the, the way that uh, stereotypes and, and not just, I mean, yes, around race, but there's other pieces as well. 
And so I asked the students that question of like, what could we be doing differently as a school to better prepare them? And um, so conversation with the students, and I, and I love that you want to talk with our alumni because I think that's mm -hmm. well. But even I started having conversation with the summer teachers of like, I actually think we can be doing more than just the Imago Day with our fifth graders because our fifth graders don't go to the Imago Day, but what can we begin like intentionally planning throughout the school year ways to bring our students together to talk about this, to prepare them um, to engage in these conversations outside of the walls of Central um, yes. with people that may not come um, with that same biblical worldview. So um, that has definitely been a way, um, a place where I have just been encouraged um, mm -hmm. to see our staff stepping up and leading, but also our, our students mm -hmm. stepping up and leading in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of our fifth grade social studies curriculum. I mean, it is just a launching pad yeah. into these conversations when we look at the Holocaust and we look at the Civil War. There are so many opportunities where we can go, not just teach history, but go deeper into how does this change the way that we engage with society today because of what we know. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I'd like to ask you um, one final question, if you're okay with that. Um, so okay, as, sure. Okay, as you are uh, stepping into your role as head, um, officially in July 1st, um, mm -hmm. I would love for you to take a moment and just think about five years from now. So mm -hmm. if you were to, five years from now, look back um, at this season that we're in right now at Central Christian yeah. what are a few ways that you would hope to be able to say, that not only we talked about, but we actually took action as a school and as a community in response to the, the, the things that are going on. Yeah. Do you have two hours? No. <laughs> um, I so do. Thanks for, thanks <laughs> for asking. Everyone else does. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love thinking about the future. And I think that it there's so much potential for our community to grow in a gazillion different areas, but including the issue of race and culture and how we respond to it. I, Peya, would love for us in five years to be able to look back and to see how all of our curriculum and all of our programming intentionally teaches um, to look for the other. So we talk about creating students or children or graduates who are other-centered, but I would love for everything that we teach to consider whoever the other is in this story, whoever is the outlier or the marginalized, there's always someone, even, even with a group that is all the same race, there's always an other. And so I feel like from what we have done in the past, what we hope to do in the next couple of years, and what you've done this past year in providing space through that PD cohort group on choosing a culturally responsive approach to teaching, I feel like our teachers are well-trained to always tell the counter-narrative. And I would like us to see, through their help, how we can push into and transform every part of what we do, um, everything that we teach all of our programming. I also would love to look back and see that we examined, we were brave enough to examine our own systemic practices. So things like the admissions process or the hiring process, which we were talking about earlier, to reveal blind spots that not only we as individuals, but we holistically as a school systemically might have and how we're bringing those biases into our selection practices. So that's something that's, that's not just the classroom now. That's like the whole school that's um, staff that's administration. 
I would also love to grow our students as global citizens. This is a huge passion of mine. So I would love in five years to be able to say, oh my goodness, look, we have a partner school on this continent and we have a partner school on this continent. I think as Christians, sometimes because the Lord was a servant and a servant leader, and we so desire to be like him, that service is such a huge part of the Christian faith. But I think one of the ways that that can kind of um, get tainted is when you come from that posture all the time, it's, and you've grown up with it, it's easy to think that we as the American or we as the dominant as a white person, that we have all the answers and we have to help all these other people. So yes, God's called us to help people, but he's also called us to learn from people. And so this concept of not just engaging with people who are different from us racially in order for us to serve them, but to take a posture of humility and to say, we need to engage with this school or this school or these students, this population, because we have so much to learn from them. So I already, even though I haven't started as head, I've already had a meeting um, with a new administrator at Asian Christian Academy. It's a school, a huge school. I think it's 4,000 students, K-12 in India. But looking at ways that we, now that we're all more comfortable with Zoom, that we could partner together, that we could introduce our students to each other so that they might be pen pals or whatever it's called in 2020, whatever you do through technology, but that they can actually have relationships with each other. Um, we already on the calendar for chapel in September, we are hosting a Kenyan couple. So this man is a pastor and his wife is a head of school at a, a school in Kenya. So here is this Kenyan couple coming to our school. And I would love for our students to see that God is working all over the globe, that it's not just here in America, it's not just in St. Louis, but for us to maybe learn what are they doing in Kenya as educators or as Christians in ministry and, and how might we embrace that. So that's that's a huge passion of mine, if you can't tell. Um, I would also love for our teachers as they examine their own biases, as they look for the other in their own classrooms and in their, their practices, I would love for our faculty to become thought leaders. I would love for Central to start hosting workshops and seminars on many things, but including this very topic. Yeah, I don't want to scare you. I don't want you to like resign after this. Okay, I'm writing all this down. I got it all down. (laughs) But I would love for us to open up our school's doors to other Christian teachers or teachers from private schools or teachers from public schools and say, in humility, this is what has worked for us. And we would love to hear what you guys are doing too, but for us to actually offer to other educators maybe a chance to grow in those areas. And we have messed up, as you've spoken to, we have so far to go. And for us to share our mistakes that we've done with other teachers so that we can collaborate together. But I think the important thing would be from a posture of humility that it's not Central Christian School with all of the answers, but okay, Lord, we know that you have a message and we are your willing vessels and we'll open up our mouths and we'll teach your message, God. I would love for us to have maybe done that at least once or twice in the next five years. And um, I will close with this, but I could go on. 
I, I want us to be a school that pursues Jesus. So as a Christian school, you hear often about teaching from a Christian worldview. We teach Bible as a subject, which I love. I love that my kids have had that experience of studying the Bible academically. But I want us to be a community where the, the teachers, the parents, the students are passionately pursuing Jesus, that we are responding to his pursuit of us. And really in many areas, but including the area of race, if we look at what Jesus did and we try to be like him and we try to live like he did, then I think that we are going to be pushing against racism because that's how he lived, not just as he engaged with society, but also as he engaged with individuals. And I would hope that maybe we could make some steps where because of our passion for Jesus and being in relationship with him, our students would say, oh my goodness, I want to be like Jesus in the area of race too. And I'm, I'm going to engage with whomever or I'm going to admit my own bias or, or whatever. But I feel like the Lord has, it's, it's like such a ripe harvest here because we have young, young kids. And let's see what he does in the next five years. I, I have to tell you, I mean, yes, that's, I, I do want to hear more. Not right now, <laughs> I want to hear more. But I, I am so excited to work with mm -hmm. you and to partner Thank with you. you. And, and um, I am, it, it, there has to be a better word than hopeful. Um, I'm mm -hmm. sure there is one out there. That I am just encouraged of, of what God is going to be able to do at our school. Um, and just truly just to be able to look back and see his fingerprints over this season to say, yes. look yes. at the way that we just leaned into him and let him trusted mm -hmm. him to, to walk us through this. And so I mm -hmm. am thrilled to be, to be working with you. Um, Thank you. This upcoming year and just can't wait to see what God has in store for our, for our community. So I would love to, to close us in prayer. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Of course. Oh. Good and gracious God, um, we just come to you first, just giving thanks for all that you do and all that you have done, Lord God. Uh, thank you for the way that you continue to hold our community in the midst of challenging and times. We know that you are a God who loves and delights in all people, and we stay in awe before you, knowing that the spark of life within each person on this earth, each person that's in our classroom, each staff member, each parent that's here, Lord, um, and each of them is a spark of your life. And we thank you for our community. And Lord, I ask that you give us the courage to continue to lead and lean on to you and the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, our hope is in you. Give us unity, give us grace and forgiveness and help us to walk with mm. each other well. Um, and we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, I've never felt interviewed on this podcast, but... <laughs> You're think, <laughs> we, we have a first year. So thanks so much for doing this with me. And I too am really, really excited. So thank you listeners for being here today. Thank you for tuning in and for joining us for part two as we partner with you. Um, we want to empower you as you guide and as you lead the next generation. This is one area that we need a lot of guidance and a lot of leadership in. And we thank um, the Lord that you as listeners and parents are wanting to do this with us. So tune in again and we'll talk to you next time.